Zach. Zach's doing good. Got too many, too many pieces of notes. So we had a, oh, there goes a bookmark. Sorry about that. Set a couple weeks off. Uh, what do you guys have? What do you guys do? You guys have a good Thanksgiving? Yes. yes. Did you guys miss us? Yes. yes. I was kind of a bummer. I was you know, looking at I never like to have two weeks off in a row. But I think it was kind of good that we were able to uh, go over to the church last week. How many people made it to the church last week? Yeah. Kind of for the Christmas service. If you didn't, hope, did anyone show up here and then didn't know what was going on? But you made it over though, right? Last week was kind of a... Uh, we, we met over at the church and we kind of had this service that prepared us for Christmas. And uh, I can't text while I'm talking. All right. Oh, you're taking notes on the phone? That's cool. On a, on a keypad phone? That's weird. So, uh, so we went over to the church and we, we kind of had a, a preparatory uh, service, kind of get us ready for this, this Christmas service. And... Uh, I've been doing this reading myself, just kind of an Advent reading. And how many people have heard this term Advent? Most of you guys heard this term. Does anyone know what Advent means? Yes. What does it mean? Yes. It's from the Latin word Adventus, meaning arrival or coming. So back in the day, the Hebrews used to kind of celebrate this time, and they looked forward to the coming of Jesus. Jesus wasn't here yet, and they looked forward to it. That was the first Advent when Jesus was born. And as we look at it, this, we, we kind of look forward to the second advent, which is Jesus' second coming, which hasn't happened yet. And so traditionally, advent is the four weeks before Christmas. It's pretty much the entire month of December. And that's what advent, uh, the time is. And practically what it does is it reminds us to look forward to Christ's return every single day. And I think, you know, when I, when I kind of read that, I said, wow, you know, I don't know that I do that all the time. And, you know, we don't really celebrate Advent um, on, on the calendar year, and we don't really take it, I wouldn't say too seriously in our church, where every day we have something for Advent that we do. But in a lot of church traditions, that's what they do. And so I've been going through this Advent uh, reading study that actually Julie made me do, because she was like, we got to read some together, and you're doing this. And, you know, I'll be honest, that wasn't something that I chose to do. But if I'm finding, uh, you know, a lot of benefit, benefit out of it as I start each and every day and I kind of look at uh, some scripture and how it relates to Jesus coming and kind of the Christmas uh, season. You know, I was kind of convicted after I started it because I realized that for myself, you know, it's kind of an interruption. Like, oh, I have to do this reading plan that, that, you know, that Julie's making me do. And, you know, I don't know if any of you are like me, but I'm ex- more guilty than anyone when it comes to Christmas. For me, you know, a lot of times it's anything but uh, about Jesus and about God. I mean, I am guilty as anyone. When I think of Christmas time, I cannot wait for the trees and the lights and to do all that fun, the music. I mean, I, November 1st, Christmas music was on in my car and everyone, you know, some people will boo that. But my, my thinking is that if you start early, then by the time November 26th or December 26th rolls around and the Christmas music is off, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, Christmas, I'm not done, ready for you to done yet. I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm good. I had my Christmas fill. And so all you people who think it's stupid to start early, you won't think it's stupid December 26th. You know, I love, I'm all about Christmas music, the, you know, the Christmas trees. Uh, you know, we have two trees up in our house, and our house is really small, so I can see them both at the same time. And all right, when do we put our tree up? Like, 
November 7th? It was a dead early. It, it was the week, it was, I mean, I want, yeah, I, I think I wanted to do it after Halloween. Julie was like, no, come on, you gotta be kidding me. So then I, 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 I kind of make Christmas all about these kinds of, of things, you know, and I, I, I'm guilty of that. You know, in this Advent season, and this idea of Advent is really about resetting Jesus to the center of our lives and, and about being ready for his second coming. And, you know, and too often we don't think about that. Um, tonight I want to look at kind of one of uh, these Christmas traditions that I get caught up in, and I want to kind of take a different look at it. And one of my favorite uh, Christmas traditions is, you know, lights. Uh, the, the idea of Christmas lights and going to look at them and the, and the you know, the glitz and the glamour. If you guys were uh, over at the church Wednesday, I think David said glitz and glamour like 20 times in his, his message, and that was what Christmas was all about. We want to take a shift from that and, and, and look at... Uh, you know, more of a, a scripture or a biblical standpoint. I want to do it through this idea of Christmas lights. And so the history of Christmas lights, if you don't know, I, I did some research. And Christmas lights is actually a relatively new thing. I mean, they've only been having, like, electric lights on trees for about 100 years. You know, and I just kind of think that people must have always been doing that, right? And Christmas lights on trees was started probably around, they, they say, about the 1700s. And what they would do is they would put candles on the tree, and they would, they would either melt them to the tree, or they would pin them to the tree. And it's kind of ridiculous, and it's, and it's really sad. I mean, it's obviously kind of dangerous. Um, you think of dry needles. Our electric lights will set fires on. Think about lighting actual fire in the tree, and that's just, just recipe for disaster. But it's kind of sad because, you know, I was thinking of it. Me and Julie, as soon as it gets dark at like 5 o'clock here or whatever it does, you know, we put our lights on, and we get to stare at them all day, and they're beautiful. But these people who, you know, back in the day, hundreds of years ago, they, what they would do is they would light the candles, they would draw all their family in, and they would get to look at their Christmas lights for like three minutes. That's all they had. Could you imagine only having Christmas lights for three minutes? And that's kind of a bummer, right? And so that's what they used to do. And, uh, you know, I read the, the first time the, the, uh, the, the White House had a Christmas tree, it was just a spectacular show. You know how many lights they had on it? A hundred lights. A hundred lights. And that was a big deal. You know, now I've, you know, I don't know, I probably have at least a thousand lights on my tree. I got five strands of 250 each, which is actually 1250. But, uh, <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we love our Christmas lights. I have some uh, pictures up here, some, some fun Christmas lights. This is just, I picked this one because it was already in a widescreen format and I fit Figured it would look good for our, our screen there. So you can go on to the next one. Th- that, this one's a little out of control. <laughs> this is some place in Ohio. It's, I, I can't remember I read if it was over 3.5 million or 3.5 billion lights. But it's just some park. There's a river running through there. and It's called something Mills. I'm not really sure. That's obviously Rockefeller uh, in New York City. And uh, kind of switched. <laughs> I saw this on Facebook the other day. This, this, cracks, this cracks me up. It says, obviously you can get it. So I thought that was, so these guys just got on over here. And I think, that's, I think that's it. I think that's it. So, you know, Christmas lights have a, a, you know, a long tradition and, and kind of our, our holiday. And, you know, it started off with putting about 100 or not even 100, but candles on a tree and then lights on, you know, maybe 100 lights. And then it, people, they're so pretty and beautiful, they put them all over the place, as you can see in, 
some of those pictures, but we're going to kind of take tonight a biblical um, school bus tour all over the Bible to look at what light represents. And I'm kind of, I don't like to go all over the Bible when I speak. Um, I, I like to kind of take a passage, you know, one in a specific spot and kind of break it down. But uh, tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to just be all over the place and we're going to talk about what light means in the Bible, not just the pretty Christmas lights, all right? And you get into it and, and, and the Bible really starts off with light. Genesis 1, 3, um, and, you know, God's already created the heavens and the earth, but it was dark and he, he creates uh, light and, and, and adds that to creation. You, you look at um, who God is and he's described as light over and over again and he's described as looking at him as just this blinding light and you can't even uh, really grasp um, how to look. You can't look at him because he's so bright and beautiful. And light really has this comprehensible completeness about the word that is perfect for describing itself um, in, in kind of spiritual terms. And so to, to help you guys really understand uh, what light's all about, we're going to look at four types of light tonight, and we're going to look at how they're used in the Bible. All right, so we're going to look at four types of light. First one is natural light. So before you put the pictures up there, does anyone know what natural light is? Adam. The sun, yes. I was kind of stupid enough. I was like, natural light. What are, you know, what's natural? What's not natural light? I looked it up. It's the sun. And so I was wondering, you know, we've got some pictures up there. We're going to continue to, you can scroll those. Obviously, that's just a big, bright sun. This one's really cool. It's, I feel like the Geico guy is going to come walking through there. And <laughs> so this one is, you know, light shining through the trees. And then this is, this is from one of our desperation trips. It doesn't really encompass, it's like kind of like the light going down, but it's kind of, a, kind of a cool picture. It's one of my favorite. I think that's the last one of natural light. So in the Bible, you have this natural light uh, explained, and this natural light just character, characterized by this radiance, this, this beauty, and also its utility, what it's kind of used for. And so we're going to look at a couple verses um, real quick, and we're going to talk about what light means in these contexts. And, and, uh, I, and I'm not going to read every single verse. I have a tons of verses. So if you're taking notes and you want to jot down the verses and look at those later tonight uh, or throughout the week as you study the idea of light, you can do that. But in Proverbs 15, 13, uh, it says, you know, the, the, the heart rejoices uh, with, with light. And Ecclesiastes eleven seven it talks about how light is sweet and pleasing uh, to our eye and to our person. Now, I want you guys to think about light. You guys have probably all heard maybe a study before that talks about how good sunlight is for you, right? And I, and I didn't look up a study because most of you guys know that. You've heard studies about, or if you haven't heard studies, there are studies that show you that someone who works in an office who doesn't have a lot of sunlight, they are um, more apt to being depressed. And I work in, in, in the basement and I don't get much sunlight and so you know, that, that, that gets me thinking, maybe, maybe I should be going upstairs just to get some of that sunlight here and there. And, and you guys have probably understood this too. That, I mean, the Bible speaks truth there. When you, when you go out and you get ready for your day and it's sunny and bright out and there is light, I mean, it's just a better day. When you get that warmth on you, you just feel good about yourselves. I mean, right now, the economy's not so good in Detroit. And on top of that, we have the worst, crappiest weather. It's rained for like seven days straight. My yard is just a swamp. And 
You know, I can't even walk around without getting mud all over myself. There's water everywhere. It hasn't been very bright, and so that tends to wear on us. So the Bible says in some of these verses that and we just rejoiceth, rejoiceth, that's what the King James says. We rejoice with, with light, and just it's a good thing. It's sweet. You know, physical, natural light is good for us. Okay. We look over in John uh, 11, verse 9, and uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and I, I believe I, I'm going to read this one. The uh, Bible says this in, in, in uh, John eleven nine. 9. It says, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees the world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. And then again, this is just pretty much truth. How many people have ever gone running around in the dark and it doesn't work out too well? Okay. Anyone ever hurt themselves really bad walking around in the darkness? I've, I have too many stories to tell about walking around in the darkness, but I'll try to share a few. Um, first one I can remember, I was a, you know, I, was, I think I was a seventh grader. It was my first fall retreat uh, in the youth group, and we used to play a lot of games. We used to play this game called Capture the Flag, you know, and again, we got some, we got some Capture the Flag champs over here. And, and I remember being in seventh grade, and I remember I was pretty athletic, and I was fast, but I was new, and I was young, and, and I wasn't like a nerd, but I didn't, I, I didn't have like too many good friends. I just remember thinking like, yeah, I captured the flag, you know, I'm going to be so awesome, I'm going to go up on myself, I'm going to get the flag, I'm going to be a hero, it's going to be sweet. So then I'm just running, I'm so fast, oh, so-and-so, you're, you're slow, take that, burn by you, truck in, you know, I'm thinking in my head, like, you're going to be, this is going to be awesome. You're going to go in there. You, everyone's going to think you're so cool because you're going to get the flag. And everyone's going to be like, how'd you do that? Oh, my goodness. This is going on in my seventh grade head. And there I am. I'm like, uh-oh, there's a road. i got to get out of the road or people will see me. So I get off the road, chuck in, and then I get back on the road, except for I didn't know that the road kind of where I was walking kind of went down. And in the darkness, as, as, as Jesus said there, in the darkness, we, we tend to stumble because we can't see where we're going. And as I cut back into the road, I did one of those, you ever step on that last step when you're carrying stuff and you don't know something's there and you step weird and you fall? Well, I did that and I landed on a rock and I busted up my knee and instead of being that cool guy who was awesome and got the flag, I was that guy who walked in an hour late and everyone's like, where have you been? And I'm like, oh, I busted up my knee and I can hardly walk. So that was one of my stories of, of stumbling. My, uh, this one's actually worse than that than busting my knee on a rock and not being able to walk for six months. Uh, flashlight tag, anyone ever play flashlight tag? It's awesome if you have a flashlight. If you don't, you end up doing what I did, and I don't remember how old I was, but this was at a campground, and we were visiting some friends, and we're playing this flashlight tag, and again, I'm so awesome. I'm going to impress everybody how fast I am, running around, you can't get me, and I'm looking this way, but in the darkness, even if I was looking this way, I would have not noticed what is in front of me, and again, I'm pretty fast. Momentum is mass times velocity. I wasn't very big, but I had the velocity part down. The, the, the momentum I was carrying was big. You ever go in those parks and you see those grills that you're like, who grills on those? Not a lot of velocity to the grill, but a lot of mass. And I ran straight into one of those. I laid there for probably 15, 20 minutes. All the kids were other playing. I couldn't move. I mean, I ran, I think about running as fast as you can into a park grill. It's just black steel, iron. Just crushed it. Went down. My other favorite um, I, uh, time where I, 
I wasn't me, but it was my older brother. Anyone ever play like hide and go seek in the dark in their basement at all? I used to do this all the time. Uh, well, we, used, we used to turn all the lights off in our dark. I mean, our basement was black. You couldn't see anything. And we used to play where you had to go hide and then someone would go search for you and you had to get to goal. Well, this one time we had a half refrigerator box and we filled it with pillows and blankets. And so the goal was to jump into the box of pillows. It's way more fun to box it, jump into a goal that's a box of pillows than it is to just go in some room. And so this was awesome. Except for that when I was seeking, my older brother Nick, who's oh, he's not here, I hear him taunting me like, oh, I made it to goal. And the next thing I hear is clang. And you know those, those basement poles that are, uh, that are in, there? <laughs> in the darkness? He just jumped straight into it. And, you know, I didn't feel bad for him. I turned on the lights, went up to him and tagged him. I'm like, you're it. He's like, no, but I got to go. I'm like, you can't just say you're in goal and call safety. You have to be in the box. And so those are kind of my stories of walking around in the darkness. All right. And so we stumble. People stumble without light. And light is pretty important. In Job uh, chapter 30, verse 26, again, we're talking about this natural light that we have. And we, we learn that uh, people wait with ex- uh, just inexpressible longing for the light to come up. And, and, and I'm not going to go into the whole story of, of Job, but the Bible talks about how, how uh, times in his life he was, he was looking more forward to the light than he was at God. And, and, and that's a whole other story. But people would wait inexpressibly, just they couldn't wait for the sun to come up. I mean, that was important. Now, that's probably the opposite of a lot of you guys. If you guys, I'm assuming, if you're waiting, you know, you don't want the light to come up. That means you've got to get up, you've got to wake up, you've got to go to school. And it's not, probably not a good thing for you guys to, be, to have to, to wake up, right? But back then, think about when this is written, you know, everything was done by sunlight. I mean, sunlight was extremely important. The Bible talks about how, you, I mean, your day starts when there's light and your day finishes when the night goes away. It's not like it is today where we have, you know, street lights lining our streets and, and things can go on, right? It's very, it's very, very different. So one of the things we learn in the Bible about light is that people really valued it. It was extremely, uh, uh, it was a, they valued it, you know, just to an, ex, to an extreme amount. You know, it's how they tell, told time. You know, we have watches, we have cell phones. That, that's, they told time by the light. You know, it was such valuable, you know, value when you talk about working, you know. That's why we do daylight savings time here is because it's valuable to farmers. For us, it's like, forget that. I don't need to, you know, five in the morning to be, to be able to see. But it was extremely important back then. You know, and as I was kind of studying this, it kind of dawned on me why so many ancient civilizations actually worshipped the sun. You know, and I would watch movies like, I don't know, Troy or some war movie about, uh, you know, the ancient past. You know, I would see them worship some sun god, Apollo or something. And I always think to myself, like, how stupid could you be? Like, that is so dumb. But as I was studying light... And I was studying it in the Bible and how important it is. It started to make sense to me a little bit more. I mean, sunlight to, to people back then was everything. I mean, if you didn't have light, you couldn't do anything. So it was actually a lot more important than, than uh, we understand it today. You know, if you look back to uh, one more just example of how precious natural light was in the Bible, is you look to the story of Exodus, okay, and the most severe plague that they had besides, you know, the death of the firstborn wasn't, you know, frogs, it wasn't, um, you know, bad water, it wasn't the boils, it wasn't the locusts, it wasn't the cattle dying, it was darkness. 
for three days. I mean, you couldn't do anything for that for three days. I mean, you couldn't work, you couldn't go out, you couldn't be, you couldn't do anything. And so the severity of darkness was huge. I mean, that was the worst thing that could happen to them. Nowadays, we'd be like, whatever, you know, flip on the generators. We had a brownout for, you guys remember the brownout? How long ago was the brownout here? We got battery. We have all this kind of uh, other kinds of lights that's not, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really phase us. But the light in the, in the Old and New Testament, man, I, I think we lose so much of it because of the artificial light we have nowadays. And that's the next type of light is artificial light. So I got some pictures up there of what artificial light looks like. That's at the Desperation Conference. We've got all kind of artificial lights going on up there. This is obviously what you're looking at right now. It's kind of weird. You're looking at a screen, into a screen. There's no more screens. But um, this kind of some artificial light. And this artificial light is what we use kind of when natural light fails. Whether we discover it or we invent something, we are able to come up with a substitute for natural light, you know. And there's verses I could do to describe artificial light, but they don't really mean stuff. It's like, you know, Paul walked with a lamp. It's not like really a teaching moment except for the fact that it exists and we are able to create it. I mean, ancient Hebrews used oil, you know, in their lamps and you know, today we use flashlights and we call it like 10,000 candle power or whatever it is. And, you know, I have a, I have a light on my, on my phone where I can, you know, turn it on and it gets pretty bright, um, you know, just on my phone. And, um, <laughs> thanks. You know, we have all these, these um, types of artificial lights. And I want you to think back. I want you to, to remember the, the splendor and radiance of the sun and how it drove people to worship the sun. It was uh, what people longed for so that they could actually go on with their day. And think of how incredible it is that us in our day have the opportunity to create light. I mean, we, we, it's no big deal nowadays to us because... I, I have my car lights. I have a 10,000 lights on my Christmas tree. I have a light in my phone. Um, I, you know, I have so much light. I mean, if I, if I, just with the light I have, if I could go back in time and just show them this light, I would be a pretty cool dude. People are like, what is that? Electricity? And so we miss out a lot on what Scripture is saying because we don't understand this idea of light like people did back then. Do you guys tracking with me? And you guys understanding, you know, and, and the thing about this artificial light is that we can create it. And now more than ever in any type or any time in history, we have more ways to shine light than ever before. Not just in a, in a physical sense of light, but truly in a spiritual sense of the, what we shine and, and what that means to other people in, in a spiritual sense. And, and that's what we're going to move on to. This next type of light, and I don't have any pictures up there, I'm sorry, is this miraculous light. And uh, as I was studying these, these different kinds of lights, we have obviously, you know, natural light. We have artificial light. This miraculous light, I almost kind of skipped over because you, you don't really realize it, but there's all these examples of this miraculous light in the Bible. It's not a symbolic light. It's a real light, but it's not made from a flashlight or fire or, or oil, and it's not made from the sun. It's this powerful 
inexplainable kind of light. Does anyone uh, know any examples of miraculous light? Well, but like, <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's correct. Um, there are a couple examples that I, that I came up to just to remind you guys. You guys have probably all, you know, heard these stories. Uh, Exodus 10, when I told you guys about the darkness and the plagues, there was some kind of miraculous light where the Israelites in their home, they had light. They could see, but yet there was darkness throughout uh, Egypt. You know, as they, as they led where they were going, uh, and out of that exodus, they were led by a miraculous light, a, a pillar of fire. And I don't know what a pillar of fire really looks like, but man, I wish I, that's one of the cool things. Like, I wish I knew what a pillar of fire looked like. You know, we think we're cool because we have GPS, but they have a, which way are we going? A pillar of fire. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'd imagine a pillar of fire would be loud, but I don't know. Um, so they had, that's, a, that's an example of this miraculous light. Matthew 17, uh, verse 2, if you want to write this down. We have this story of Jesus' transfiguration. And this is Jesus going up to pray in, in the mountain. And basically what's happening here is he's, you know, the disciples throughout some of the Gospels are really confused. They don't know the entire time who Jesus is. Like they're listening to him and they're, they're gathering some stuff. And, and, and they're, they're kind of weighing all this out. But this is one of those moments where Jesus just displays his glory in full, in completeness. He doesn't hold anything back. And the disciples see this, and they say his, his face just turns into, like, beams of light, and rays are shooting out. And I, again, I don't, and I'm assuming that was probably a lot cooler than the pillar of fire, but it's this miraculous light that is pretty unexplainable, and it's pretty powerful. In Acts uh, chapter 9, verse 3, we read about Saul's encounter, who turned into Paul, and his road to Damascus. He's riding to go persecute Christians, and all of a sudden he's knocked off by this, says, this blinding light. He says the people around him could see the light, but uh, the light was speaking to him. It actually blinded him. His companions had to take him by the hand and walk him the rest of the way because he was blind. And it was this, this, uh, this power that is kind of unexplainable. That's one of the examples of light that we see in the Bible. And it, it's nice that we could write this off and say that, you know, well, that's just kind of a cool thing that happens, this miraculous light. But this miraculous light is more than just a shining, pretty thing. It's instrumental, and it's, uh, you know, participating in showing people and revealing who God is. So this miraculous light isn't something to be ignored. It's something to be grasped, and it's part of the whole comprehensiveness of what light is in the Bible. If we go into the last part, the, and this is really the way that light is explained for the most part in the Bible. These, the, you know, natural light, artificial light, and miraculous light are uh, displayed here and there in the Bible. But this next section of spiritual light is really the, the way it's uh, described mostly, the most of the time in the Bible. You know, it's, it's, it's this counterpart to the physical aspect of light that we've been talking about. It's what lies on the inside of us, okay? Um, and, and primarily, this is, the Bible's using this in the figurative sense, okay? So we have this spiritual light, we have it seen as a, a mental light. In Psalms 119, verse 130, it says, your word gives light and understanding. So it's kind of like, you know, a light bulb pops up in your head. You're like, oh, or the lights are on and nobody's home. It's, it's mental knowledge that you, you gain. It's an understanding. That's what 
light means in a, in a, in a mental and spiritual sense. It's a moral light. Isaiah 5.20 describes this uh, moral confusion between light and darkness, this comparison, and it's this moral compass that says, you know, good things, these morals that we have inside of us, that is light. And, and darkness is the opposite of that, evil things. You know, not following God's command, that's darkness. And just on, you know, on a side note, as we look at kind of things that go on in our world, my personal belief, and I think this has proved itself over and over again in history, is that, you know, as we look around in, in our country and we walk, listen to things on the news, it's pretty dark. You would agree with that, right? But to me, that, that's an exciting thing because as the dark gets darker, the light gets lighter. And what that means is, as things in the days grow more evil, you have a greater opportunity to live in a way that is different from the darkness. Your light, all of a sudden, ha- it becomes a spotlight because you're the only one. It's, it's easier to be seen because it looks so different than everything else. And so I'm not saying, you know, that we shouldn't fight to, you know, fight for things that are good in society, but it, it, in a... In, uh, one sense, I'm almost uh, like happier when, when things in society are going more towards an, an evil turn. Does that make sense? Like, it, it's not that I want them to happen, but at the same time, I know as a pastor, that's just more opportunity for us to shed the light. You know, the, the, the places where it's darkest is where the church is growing. You look at places like China and, and in South America and Africa where the church is exploding. That's because there's darkness there that, that you would think would cloud out the light, but you can't. And so the lightness becomes more powerful the darker place you're in. So there's this moral light. Uh, and the last one is this spiritual light. And this is the most common reference to, reference to light uh, in the spiritual sense. It's this, this attribute of holiness. It's this adjective that just describes everything in completeness as, as things of God shine through you. It's this um, just complete word that describes you know, God's favor. God's wisdom, God's gospel. You think of the light of just being the story of who he is. And, and that's what light really means. So tonight, you know, we're talking about this idea of light and we're kind of doing this biblical, you know, tour of looking at some scriptures and looking at natural light, looking at artificial light, looking at miraculous light, looking at spiritual light. And you're just, what, what does that, you know, how does that go back to to God and, and, and the Christmas, you know, idea. And I want to read to you guys in closing, if the band um, wants to come back up, we're going to kind of close um, with a song. But I want to read to you guys um, Luke 2. And if you guys aren't familiar uh, with Luke, Luke is where most of the Christmas story is told in the first few chapters. A lot of the other Gospels don't really say much about it. But Luke 2 I'm starting in verse, where am I, uh, verse 32. All right, actually we're going to start in verse uh, 25. We're going to start in verse 25. This is kind of the story. Jesus has been born at this time, and uh, Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus to, uh, to, to go be circumcised. It's kind of the custom of the Jewish Uh, culture there. So it starts off in verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the, in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people in Israel. So right off the bat, Jesus is, is born. He's taken it. And it goes on to say, Mary and Joseph were ecstatic. They couldn't believe. Like, are you, like look at what people are saying and prophesying about our baby. You know, I'm about to, to have a baby in a couple months, and I would just love it if people were coming to me and saying those things about my child. I would be pretty excited. He was called light. He would be a light to the Gentiles. Later on in, uh, in the Gospels, reading John, Jesus is speaking. In John 8, verse 12, Jesus says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of of life. So you're probably thinking like me, you know, and I was doing my Advent devotional and I was, you know, it says, oh, you know, God is light. Think about how the Christmas lights, you know, reflect Jesus and how they're pretty and that's good. But I hope as you journeyed with me and looked at some of what the Bible talked about light, this natural light, this artificial light, this miraculous light, and this spiritual light, I hope you have a better sense of what that means for God to be light. And I hope that when you hear God's name of light, that it kind of changes your perspective. When we sing songs about how God is light, that in your mind, you, you will have a, a better understanding of what that looks like. Instead of saying, you know, God, you're light, that's good. You, you'll, you'll think about, man, God, you, you, you are light. That 2,000 years ago, light was everything. Light was the very source for living. You, we, couldn't even, we couldn't even get by without light. I mean, with, without that, we're running into stuff, we're running into poles and barbecues. Without light, we can't even, you know, we can function throughout the day. We can function tonight and have a service at 8.30 because we have artificial light. But back then, that was pretty hard. I mean, we, we had to run around with torches and stuff. So this idea of light's a pretty big deal. Not only is it something that people long for, no, it's the opposite of, of, of darkness. There's this, this, this moral light that, that shines through. There's this artificial light, this opportunity uh, God, that you create opportunities to, to, to share with people. There's this, you are this miraculous light, God, this power, the, this thing that I can't quite understand, but, it, but it's real and it's true. And I hope you guys grasp that. But I want to read one more verse to you guys as we stand up and close out with this song. And it's in Matthew 5, 14, verse uh, 14 through 16. It says this. It says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You are all those things too. Those things I described about God, that 
that light that people long for, that thing that brings joy, that thing that shines upon you and, and you can walk out and just feel better about yourself. That's you. You are light. You are a moral light that shines out darkness and stops out darkness and stands up for what's true, stands up for what's God's word. You are God's light. You are God's message, his salvation and his gospel. You are a sometimes miraculous light. And you bring God's power. And you have the ability to bring God's healing. This idea of artificial light. You have the opportunity to create light. You have more opportunity now than at any time in history to be a light amongst your friends and amongst your, you know, your, your world, your peers, your school. And so tonight as we go into this song, I want you guys to think about these aspects of light as we sing it, and I want you to sing this song in a new way, but I also want to challenge you right now. You know, we're kind of halfway through this school year already. I know it's flying by, but we have this vision of 10,000 strong, and many of you have had this vision of being this incredible lighthouse, this beacon that shines in your school. So I'm asking you tonight, is that light shining as bright as it did in August in September? Is it just a spark? Is it barely flickering? Has your light gone completely out? You know, the truth of the matter is we, we can't go to desperation every month and brighten our light back up. It's got to be something that we are doing week in and week out. And as you look at this, you know, idea of Christmas, you read the story, you know, is being a light an, an inconvenience for you? Is it something where God interrupts your day? Or are you more like, you know, the shepherd dude? The angels came completely wrecked and interrupted their day, but they were more than happy to, to, to go after and find God, and to follow that star, that light, and, and, and go see the baby. Are you someone who's going to be inconvenienced by being a light? Or are you ready, man? Like, yeah. This is what God's called me to do. I want to be a light. I want to continue to be a light. I want to continue to go after this vision of 10,000 strong. I'm going to continue to shine brighter than I ever before. I'm not going to be blown out. I'm not going to hide it. I am going to be a light. So you guys stand up. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing this song. God, I'm going to come before you tonight and I just thank you for giving us a better understanding of what it means to be a light. God, we praise you for being the ultimate example of light. God, this, this, uh, this light of knowledge and morals and salvation, God, it's who you are. You are light, this perfect word that describes you in all your qualities, the radiance, the brilliance, the beauty. God, we confess that, that sometimes we, we let our light go out, we let our light be dim, we hide our light sometimes we're ashamed of it. God, but that's not how we want to live. God, we want to live as if we were a city on a hill. Can't be hidden. God, we want everyone to see our light. And as we go into this, uh, this Christmas season, God, it's all about you. It's not about trees. It's not about presents. It's not about songs. It's not about Christmas lights. It's about who you are. It's about your love. And our love back to you. Help us to be your light, to shine your light.